This podcast contains swear words. Hello, creative beings, and welcome to Talking Shit with Tara Cheyenne. I'm your host, Tara Cheyenne Friedenberg, a choreographer, actor, dancer, writer, and educator living on the unceded, stolen, ancestral territories of the Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish nations on the west coast of Turtle Island. Now, perhaps you are joining us for the first time. Welcome. Welcome. Talking Shit with Tara Cheyenne is a podcast where I, Tara Cheyenne, interview creative people that I know or would like to know. A lot of them are dance artists or theater artists or musicians or all of the above and people living outside and between boxes. I do love that. Before we dive into today's interview with the fantastic Sophia Wolf, just a little reminder to rate, review, five stars, share with your friends, you know, push the button, likey, likey, sherry buttons. It really does make a difference, actually, because it means that folks, when they go to look us up, we're right at the top or we're close to the top. So we're accessible and we're into that. And if you do have the means and motivation to donate, however small or however big, it makes a big difference. We do give our guests uh, honorarium because their time is precious because they're making stuff up and living as artists, which is not so easy sometimes. You can find the donate button at www.terrashyan.com. Upper right-hand corner, it says donate. And we'll put that link in the show notes. Appreciate every dollar. Now, today's interview with Sophia Wolf. she, her, somebody I've known for quite a few years, and I'm just a huge fan, and they're just a delightful human being. Sophia is a queer Japanese-Canadian independent artist living on these unceded territories of the Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish people on the west coast of Turtle Island, lucky enough to live close in proximity. We see each other in real life, which is so fantastic. Sophia works in dance, in film, editing. She is a very, very talented human being. She holds an MA in screen dance from the London Contemporary Dance School and is the founder and currently organizational director of Form Festival, which is the Festival of Recorded Mo- Movement. Movement. Um, see, I was like moving with my word just then. Did you notice that? I wasn't stuttering. <laughs> anyway, I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. We talk about all kinds of things, including who holds the camera and what that means. Enjoy. All right, Sophia Wolf, I am so happy to have you on Talking Shit with Tara Cheyenne. <laughs> You've been on my list for quite a while, so I'm really glad that we found this time. Oh, I'm so honored to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Sophia Wolf, you are a, oh, you're just a really important part of our community here on the West Coast. And um, it's true. And you do all these amazing things. You are the artistic director of the Forum Festival. You're a fantastic dancer and maker. Um, I'm sure there's lots of other great things that you do that I don't even know about. What are some of the things in your life that happened to bring you here 
to what you're doing now. Thank you for that intro, Tara. So one thing I will correct is that I am now the organizational director of FORM. I passed the torch last year to my colleague Tamara Tabori as artistic director, and I've kind of taken a bit of a bigger step back to kind of just see a bit of a bigger picture and be less focused on festival itself, but organization as a whole. But yes, I, I am the founder, original founder and artistic director of FORM, Festival of Recorded Movement. And yeah, it's been a journey, Tara. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many ways I could tell this story or my story, of course, as we all can. But, you know, I, I grew up doing gymnastics and dancing. And at one point in my life, I had to pivot to just dancing. And um, yeah, it just opened up a world of possibilities. And at the time when I was that young, I didn't really know or understand that it was a career or could be. And it wasn't until I joined this dance company, this youth dance company on Vancouver Island that is still running, actually. It's called Dance Dreams. Oh, Dance Dreams. Yeah, Dance Dreams. Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah, they're incredible. I didn't know you did that. I was in grade 11. And that's when they started to, you know, I was exposed to this contemporary dance space, this professional way of working. And they really kind of got us into really understanding and experiencing what it is to work with choreographers and to have them come in and like what a process is versus the teacher just telling you what moves to do. So that was really eye opening. And after that, I had some colleagues point me in the direction of MODIS. So after high school, I joined Modus Operandi, which is a dance training program in town. And I did four years of that. And in that four years, I was exposed to dance films. And we were encouraged and had a, a few teachers come in and teach us about dance and film. And in high school, I was really interested in photography. And then once I realized that the images could move (laughs) and that, you know, could capture movement and dance and it just was a real eye opener for me. And and then after that, I really started to get into editing and realized that that is a very choreographic process. Yeah. After Modus, I kept kind of making things and I was invited to be the artistic intern for Company 605. I did the early career development grant with them, which was also very eye-opening. And they were very encouraging of me continuing to build this interest and to, you know, bring my photography and videography skills into the room while also dancing and apprenticing with them. And during that year, you know, dancing and always kind of having the camera at the side of the room, I felt like I built a really like embodied practice of what it was to have a camera and to be a dancer and to kind of go back and forth between the two. And from there, Josh and Lisa were incredible and really encouraged me to start this festival that, you know, I thought was going to be maybe 10, 20 years down the line. But here I was at 22 or 23 and they helped me kind of build this platform. And I also had the help of Christina Lemieux who came in and was my producing mentor and really showed me the ropes. And we were able to get, you know, some funding for that first year. And it just, you know, continued to become a thing. We did the first one and I thought, oh, this is, 
you know, this is interesting. People are interested and <laughs> people seem to really latch on to it and need it. it. It felt like it was a missing piece in the community, not just in BC and, or in Vancouver even, but felt like across Canada, there wasn't a lot of platforms for dance films to be screened or to be shown. And we focused it at the beginning as like a youth-centered dance film festival because you know, I was a youth at the time um, and my colleagues in my community around me were the youth at the time. And it still is and continues to be a festival and a space that supports youth and emerging artists. And I think really, yeah, is an encouraging space to kind of have youth try and experiment and, and then get together and be in community and see them on the screen together. And instead of just, you know, watching YouTube or Instagram and that kind of thing on our own in our own little spaces but it's a chance for people to come together and to meet and to witness together so yeah that's a that's a overarching <laughs> history there <laughs> but i do that's good that is a fantastic narrative that's a fantastic narrative there's so many interesting points along the way yeah one thing you said that just like grabbed me was like the embodied practice mm -hmm. Of being in the room as a dancer and having the camera mm -hmm. and being able to kind of go back and forth and how maybe you can talk about that mm -hmm. from my perspective. It's like, oh, that how empowering because mm. as dance folks, as dancers, mm -hmm. I think there's so much. I mean, I hope it's been different for you a bit, but <laughs> the objectification of the dancer, right? That totally dancer as object and so much of. The folks that have been behind the camera have been male identifying, older, et cetera, et cetera, white. Et cetera, yes. <laughs> I mean, with some of my other colleagues, friends, we've been talking, you know, like, who holds the camera, the power of who holds the camera. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'd love to hear um, your thoughts around that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for identifying that. So, actually, in 2021... Is it 2021? Yeah. 2021, I did a master's program in London and it was an MA in screen dance. It's probably like nichest, nichest master's program you'll ever find. Wow. But I have an MA in screen dance. And this theme, this embodied camera, this embodied dance filmmaking practice was what I studied and what I went there to kind of dive into more. I did my thesis on it and I talked about the embodied camera. The embodied process of making a dance film from beginning to end, but more specifically talked about, you know, the dancer holding the camera and the importance of a dancer holding the camera versus anyone else. And how we as dancers have so much versatility and, you know, nuance in how we move and how we understand our bodies. And that can translate into the camera and once it translates to the camera, it can translate to the audience and the audience can also have an embodied way of viewing what we're seeing on screen. And it's more in the perspective of, of the dancer. It's not, as you, as you mentioned, the dancer being objectified in, you know, this, this way of somebody, an outsider holding the camera. But when, I mean, from my own experience, when I hold a camera, I'm really like, I'm using my body as the tripod. I'm really using it as that moving kind of being an entity that understands the perspective of who I'm filming because perhaps I've done that choreography before or I understand it in my body. 
And that information can kind of translate to my own body in a way that, you know, I can anticipate certain movements or I can breathe with the dancer in a way that, you know, we can kind of improvise and move off of each other. And yeah, I don't know. There's just so many, so many sensations and experiences that the dancer has that, you know, I, when I watch a lot of dance films, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of dance films that I don't, you know, I don't actually, you know, I'm seeing the dancer, they're moving on screen, but I'm not experiencing them and I'm not feeling them. You know, dance is already such a niche and nuanced and experiential, ephemeral kind of thing. And when I'm capturing that on camera, I'm also really trying to capture that ephemerality or that nuance or that sensation, the breath. Yeah, that that kind of unspoken experience that we have as dancers that just feels very surreal sometimes, you know? And so I'm always trying to find ways to really, yeah, be able to capture that on camera because if other people can see that, maybe maybe non-dancers or if people who, you know, don't experience dance in the ways that we do, if they can get a glimpse or a piece or a sense of that, I'm moving my spine right now because that it's kind of like this like spinal animal kind of feeling then then maybe they can tap into their own body in a way that they haven't before or maybe they can feel or experience something that is outside of their everyday yeah what did i just say <laughs> you said so many good things i'm like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very exciting because it's like active inclusion of the physicality of the viewer mm-hmm. by way of being active and embodied physically as the person with the camera who is dancing Mm -hmm. and filming the person who is dancing. So I'm interpreting it as this way of like creating these connections that are kind of corporal connections, really. Totally. I mean, isn't that what we're all kind of doing? I think for me, it's like making connections, like we're making connections because that's as art makers, as storytellers, Mm -hmm. that's our job. Mm -hmm. And how wonderful and i know what you mean when you see something i can tell if i've seen something that's shot mm. by somebody who's like physically present mm. and who knows the choreography you can feel mm-hmm. you can feel it it's so powerful i think there's something too in what you said about also valuing the perspective and the genius of the embodied practitioner the dancer mm-hmm. you know yeah, because so much, especially young, because dancers, you know, I think the culture kind of privileges the young, beautiful dancer, mm. beautiful, big air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, like the intelligence there is pretty profound. Yeah, it really is. And I don't know, there's just there's just so much nuance inside of what we do that I feel like you know even sometimes I lose as you know somebody who's not practicing all the time and every day but I'm noticing that you know when I as I get a little bit further away from it I'm like oh it's so special it's such a special you know gift that we're able to experience this and to be able to kind of yeah I went into a lot of research around embodied film viewing okay and how film is a very is a very embodied experience. You know, sometimes we just think of it as visual and aural, but it actually has a lot of capacity to 
to allow you to feel your body in a very different way, um, to taste, to feel on your skin, to, you know, react, to have an emotion, to, you know, it's, it's a very embodied place. And so there was some connection there for me around, well, dance is such an embodied practice. And so if we're able to translate that to film and have it be an embodied viewing experience, then we're all dancing. You know, the audience is dancing with the screen. You know, there's there's so much potential there for that feedback to kind of happen. There's so much nuance there. And yeah, it's also about recording, recording that sensation, um, finding ways to capture that sensation and and have it live as kind of like the living document mm. of that experience or that time or that dance, that specific dance I remember writing at the end of my thesis that the research that I did, that it's not just important because, you know, I want people to see and feel and experience dance in these ways, but it's also important, you know, and could potentially be a practice for, you know, marginalized communities or seniors or, you know, folks with physical disabilities or kids to kind of you know, what happens if we put the camera in their hands and we can see and feel and experience what they're going through and how can that then bring more empathy into the audience for understanding a perspective that we will never know and feel, you know, depending on the intersections of, of experiences that we have in our, in our lived bodies. But there was some importance there for me too that it's not just about recording the dance it's not just about recording the sensation but when we put the cameras in the hands of the bodies who we are filming who we are documenting or who we are you know i hate this word in film but like the subject <laughs> that you know it's their story then it's their feeling it's their sensation it's not an outsider's coming in it's theirs so anyways yeah <clears throat> I still continue to have a lot of thoughts and feelings about that. and But it started, that curiosity seeded from, you know, my experience as a dancer and how I really dance with the camera. Like, I, my technique is being engaged in the way when I hold my camera. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's kind of where it seeded and where it started. <laughs> I love that. It's so very subversive mm -hmm. in such a fantastic way. Because film and photography, I think, have been so like, you know, the authority of the camera or the authority of the the gaze, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you're you're like to actively disrupt that and to offer the experience of someone whose experience has not been considered mm -hmm. in a way that it should be. That that kind of like integration of how we are as humans is like the potential is so rich. Yeah. You know. For sure. And I and I think I was also experiencing that in, you know, being a part of a couple different film shoots and this kind of thing. I thought, no, like we're the last people actually that people are thinking about, you know, it feels yeah. somehow like, yeah. you know, we get the least amount of time to warm up. Everything is being set up, the sets and everything. And, and it all, you know, in the end, it looks amazing and it's beautiful, but it feels like, you know, I'm like, but what about like, what about me? <laughs> Maybe it's selfish, but there's so many, you know, things that I see and experience when I'm doing this movement. And then I see the film and I'm like, that's not really what I've experienced, which is fine. It's a different film, you know? Yeah. But I was curious about that kind of space. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in my experience, having worked with film, I did film and TV when I was like young. Mm -hmm. It was horrific and awful. I'm not going to lie. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I felt like a piece of meat. It was gross. Oh, <laughs> anyway, 
then even like working with filmmakers, even like people shooting my own, my stuff that I'd made, mm. that feeling like you're the least important person there is like, yeah. it's so, it's so gross, mm-hmm. really. Like, and it kind of speaks to the whole like creator of the content is the last person. Mm you know, the furthest down on the hierarchy. And when we flip it and create something that really is collaborative and really is like, mm-hmm. what are the experiences of people mm-hmm. in their bodies is like, oh, it's so wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's not to say things have to be made that way. Like, I think there's also a value in, you know, this traditional maybe film set way of, of filming um, filming dance. But I think it, it also, you know, opened an opportunity to, or just poses the question of like, there's other ways to collaborate with our videographers or our cinematographers. And I think something that I've always tried to do with the cinematographers that I work with is like, try and find ways for them to feel grounded and embodied before we start shooting. And for me to just talk to them a lot more about what I'm feeling inside of it and to say like I think you know when I close my eyes and I do this movement I think what I'm focusing on or what I'm seeing is the hand so in this moment can we really just focus on the hand and can it be really close so that you can see the moment that I just bend my knuckles in this certain way or you know that there can be a collaborative conversation you know your cinematographers and videographers don't have to be dancers um but I think there's also a way it would be great if they were um (laughs) But I think there's also a way, you know, to bring in that nuance to encourage them to. I actually like worked with a really incredible videographer named Dan Lone, who maybe, you know, does a lot of the live streaming in town and is also an incredibly embodied human. And, you know, when we were shooting a film of mine last year, we like choreographed together like I choreographed his movement you know he had his input I had my input and I said okay follow me at this moment five six seven eight here we go drop down to the ground follow me this way you know so I really kind of put in the choreography of his camera into my experience of the of the movement as well so I think there's a way that our camera humans can be you know embodied that will just bring even just the slightest bit more breath or nuance or just something more embodied to the way that the camera is following the mover. It makes so much sense, right? Like to also value the body of the person with the camera. Yeah. I bet that's something too that most people, cinematographers and photographers probably don't feel considered. Mm -hmm. Exactly. In their breath and their groundedness and Mm -hmm. All those things. And also, it sounds like way more fun. (laughs) (laughs) It is fun. Yeah. And, you know, cinematographers are, you know, they're they're wearing all sorts of gear to hold on their bodies and they're running around, they're sweating. Like, they are very embodied people. Um, And I've seen so much of it. Like, I'm not, not to say that it doesn't exist, but you know, when we see those action films or when we see these things that where the camera is really in it, like you feel it in a different way. It's it's a very visceral sensation that has that thing of the spine where it props your spine up a little higher and has those tingles in your body. So, you know, there there is something to it that that works. That sounds like a thesis project or something, like doing a study where you study the people with the cameras, almost put like electrodes or something on it to <laughs> like measure or look at their movement and then look at the film mm-hmm. and then talk to the, sorry, I'm rambling. No, do it. 
<laughs> but talk to the people, the audience and the affect in their bodies. Mm-hmm. How is that then connected to the person behind the camera? Like that would be mm. so interesting. Like, mm-hmm. did you get tingles? Yeah. Was the cinematographer doing this thing with their bodies in order to capture that shot? Mm. I mean, I kind of did that for my thesis, actually. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I didn't quite do the the latter half of what you mentioned. But yeah, I had I had audience, you know. Dancers shot each other. I had, I built a practice around it. I called them camera dancers. And, you know, I had audience, I edited something together that was also kind of an experiment in an embodied way of editing. And I had audiences watch. I got them to record what they were feeling as they watched. So it was really interesting to, you know, just, just compare that and to see. So yeah, it was cool. So much more to do. It's so fascinating. It's so fascinating and also makes perfect sense. Mm, Yeah. I want to ask you about the connection because I know a few dance folks who have transitioned to become editors. Mm. And it's like, oh, that's a natural. I can see that transition. I can see like editing is choreography. Totally. I'd love to hear how that is for you and what you think about that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I never became a dancer who wanted to necessarily make work for theater spaces or for shows or this kind of thing but as I started editing I was like oh this is like this is where the choreography happens because you know it's one thing to make the choreography for the camera and then it's a whole other dance to slice it together and of course before maybe you have a sense of what you want to do with it but when I was in modus and when I was working with 605 I had a lot of freedom to kind of just you know there wasn't any prerequisite for how the edit went so I just thought oh I'll just you know give it a try and I was improvising a lot in my edits and there was no plan it was just okay here's the footage you know string it together and get creative and yeah it's totally choreography like the timing you know even one hair of a second of a difference in in you know how you slice your footage together can make all the difference in in that transition um how long you leave a clip up for, how close you, you know, cut and slice together. And it's interesting to kind of edit in a way that is also, I try and really think about it as a physical practice, even though, you know, I'm realistically, I'm sitting here on my chair. Mm-hmm. But to breathe with it and to watch it a few times and to listen to my impulses, um, listen to when I feel like something should switch or when it should last for longer to watch it without sound a few times and and see what it does to my body. You know, back when editing was on physical film, it was an embodied practice because they were really pulling the film down and they were physically cutting and, you know, all these things. So it is, it really is a physical practice, even though, you know, we are limited to our chairs now and we're in front of our computers, but there's still a way to breathe with it. There's still a way to kind of feel it out in a physical way. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's a really interesting practice. I'm still learning a lot and I'm still, you know, upping my skill sets and this kind of thing um, with what I can do. But it's really fun. It's really fun. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) I mean, the things that pop into my mind are like, as you explain the experience of like breathing, of listening to your intuition, Mm -hmm. which is such an embodied, for me, it's sensation. Yeah. And this is just me and my harebrained ideas. What if you then do the dance of the edit that you just did? What does mm-hmm. that look like in your body? Mm-hmm. I'm in grad school right now, so clearly I'm... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. You get into this, this headspace for sure. Yeah. Like how many different directions can you look at this? And yeah, it does make me think too of, um, I mean, we've been so separated from our bodies mm-hmm. culturally where we live and how what you're doing and what you're talking about and as dance artists, but how exciting it is also as a film artist and editor, just like bringing the body back into um, mm-hmm. our practices. And it strikes me that this is a way, I think, of maybe staying healthy in what we do or trying to like the more Mm -hmm. we are in our bodies the more we can feel what is really going on and maybe when our bodies are saying oh no you need to take a nap my friend (laughs) or you know all the things our bodies tell us and then we ignore them maybe yeah i'm curious about what you think about that and how we how we are as practitioners and yeah. I mean, speaking about this is also reminding me that I that I do have that practice because it's easy to forget a lot of the times. It's easy to, you know, not pay attention and to, you know, actually I've I've I have been in the last few years I have been having a hard time coming back to my editing because I've we've been on the computer for so long and and I've felt like, you know, after going to school and doing, you know, being in COVID and not being as embodied as I typically was pre-COVID you know it's very easy to forget it's very easy to lose so thank you for giving me a space to remind myself that that is what I do (laughs) to reflect on that and yeah I mean I think it's so important I try you know it's easy to abandon and it's easy to forget about as I just mentioned Um, but I'm trying really hard these days to just really always no matter what you know, in everything that I do, whether it's eating food or sitting and editing or, you know, doing my yoga or whatever it is that I'm doing to just really try and stay present and try and stay connected to that intuition and that impulse, those impulses that we have and to, to quiet. Um, it's not an easy thing to do. <laughs> no, I have been struggling in the last few years for sure. And I've I've been burnt out. I'm going to say the big B word. And it's been a struggle, like, to remember, to remember to do that and to take space and to quiet. And, you know, while COVID was an interesting time because actually because I was, you know, an editor and filming and running the festival, I had more work and more things come at me than ever before to the point where it was to the brim. And like when I think back to 2020, I'm like, how was I even holding anything in my hands? Mm. It was just a wild, wild year and continued to be there after, you know, going to school and moving away and getting deeper into studies and and coming back and retransitioning into the community and into who I am and what I'm doing and all these big existential questions that you get at the end of your 20s, at the end of your Saturn return. Those existential questions don't go away. Sorry. Okay, Sorry. yeah. No, they I don't. figured they wouldn't. I figured they wouldn't. They transform in some ways, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, for sure. I'm now at a point where I'm trying to slow down. I'm trying to finish what's in front of me. And I'm trying to come back to sensation it's ironic isn't it I did all this studies and (laughs) embodiedness and 
it's hard. It's hard to remember and it's hard to hold on to. It's easy to get, you know, swept away in, in the chaos of life and the world. And I think we're living in an extremely, extremely difficult time. But I'm also trying to remember that it's also an extremely exciting time. It's an extremely hopeful time. It's unfortunate that so much hardship has to come before, you know, what feels like resilience and you know, moving forward can happen, but I'm trying to hold on to and remember and remind myself that there is a lot of joy and there is a lot of hope and that, you know, we have each other. Remember to come back to community, remember to come back to body and breath and sensation and that there can be space to move forward in a good way. <laughs> Yeah, it's really important. And I think it's like part of the practice is the mm -hmm. it's like meditation, right? Like you're not it's not like you're supposed to stop thinking. Mm -hmm. You just notice, oh, I'm thinking. Yeah. And it's not like we're supposed to be completely embodied and relaxed and have a beautiful equilibrium all the time. No, absolutely not. <laughs> no. <laughs> but we notice when it goes. I mean, you said the word community. And how important, like, that our body's collection of gajillions of organisms, I don't know the number, but it's some, some like, fantastically mm -hmm. bananas number. Yeah. <laughs> so if our bodies are these collections, and then we are the collections with our community, and then our community is the collection of many communities, and how important it is to lean on each other mm -hmm. and remind each other and talk about when we're feeling too much, because then you breathe and then... Oh, and then I remember, oh, yeah, I got to breathe, too. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And how just like the dancer and the dancing camera mm -hmm. together that I think. Um, yeah, we can hold each other. Yeah. Yeah. And we can witness each other. I think that's an important piece, too, you know, and. I feel like I said all that stuff as if I'm doing it so well sometimes, but I'm really not. I'm only just discovering this in the last month, Tara. <laughs> you know, I made a deliberate decision for myself this year to really just try and focus what's in front of me, not take on more than I need to. I mean, it's hard in this capitalistic society that we exist in. I know. Ugh, capitalism. Yeah. So I understand. I, I see, you know. I recognize the privilege that I have in being able to kind of stop and say no and to listen a little deeper. Um, but I think there's a lot of little ways we can, you know, bring those little nuggets of awareness into our everyday. And um, and yeah, just remember to breathe. <laughs> it's hard to remember to do that. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Even though we're doing it all the time, but it's, you know, it's yeah, it's hard sometimes. Definitely. Yeah. Just to be present. Ah. Everyone breathing who's listening? Yeah. Let's breathe. <laughs> wow, let's breathe. Okay. Two more questions. Okay. Two more questions. Great. I could just keep asking you more. I have to like... I know. I feel like I need to interview you next, Tara. I'm like, this feels so one-sided, <laughs> even though that's exactly what you've asked me to do. So. I know. I'm the, I'm the same way. When somebody interviews me, I feel like, yeah. what do I need to ask about you? I know. I even do that to my therapist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do too. <laughs> that's so funny. But she's like, Tara, I'm okay. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> this is your time. It's really funny. <laughs> My two questions are, mm -hmm. is there something I should have asked you? Oh, 
but I didn't. Huh. Or that you wanted to mention or anything. I feel like you are an incredibly gifted interviewer. And I am very impressed. And I feel like we covered a lot of things. More than I expected. So thank you for that. Oh, that's yeah, great. I think I'm good. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> My last question is, is there something mm-hmm. that you are doing or enjoying that is helping you be creative or feel more balanced or, you know, live as an artist and whatever, whatever that means? Mm. And it can be like literally anything, like I'm eating a lot of yogurt and green onion potato chips. It seems to be helping. <laughs> or I've been watching this thing on Netflix. <laughs> um, anything at all. Anything at all. Mm. I've been trying to inquire about these things for myself in the last little bit. But there's a few things. This is totally a shout out and a plug to Amber Funk Barton. Oh, Amber. Who I've been doing yoga therapy classes with her and taking her online classes. And she's just a brilliant, beautiful yoga teacher. And that's been grounding me a lot. And the other thing is I've started to, and this is only in the last maybe few days also, but I have a habit of not just getting on with my day and, you know, not necessarily just, you know, doing the routine things, brush my teeth, eat my breakfast, you know, shower, whatever. But I've been trying to put on music, whatever music, whether it's like top 40s actually Niall McNeil who I've been working with has had us being warming up to um, Taylor Swift so I've been putting on a little T-Swift and just having my own little dance party and just grooving by myself in my kitchen Um, and that's been really lovely way to start the day so I'm gonna try and keep up with it sometimes you know we don't feel like doing it but I've just been like no just put the music on and you're gonna groove so yeah I've been doing that (laughs) That is such a good one. Yeah. <laughs> when people are like, oh, I'm, I want to dance more. My prescription is, yeah. while your kettle's boiling, yeah. put on a song. It's better if it's like some song that's like either super cheesy or really sad or yeah. <laughs> whatever, super pop, and dance for the length of the whole song. Yep. <laughs> I feel like it's this like hidden or untapped well of medicine oh my god so much and yeah i was just recently reading something that was talking about you know these different like power stances that we can do that you know we can actually embody you know there's things that can have us you know like traumas or information that comes to us that makes us our bodies fold in a certain way or you know when we hide our bodies and hide ourselves but actually if we just we don't have to have the feeling first we can just put our hands on your hips and do the power stance or just, you know, put our arms out and like look up even or just embrace our hearts in this way and that that can just change a little bit of our mood. Um, so I've been trying to trying to do that, but it's been hard. Like I haven't wanted to do that at all. So yeah, but yeah, I've been trying to encourage myself to just do that and just dance and wiggle and yeah. Right. Put a smile on. <laughs> yeah, I know. Even, even when they don't want like to. It. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. But like the affirmations in the mirror, there is a thing. Um, <laughs> you look in the mirror and you, you just like give yourself like a high five. Oh, yeah. I don't know that one. <laughs> and it feels super cheesy. It feels like, yeah. are you kidding me? But it's like, oh, wait. Oh, yeah. wait. Instead of like scowling at myself. Mm-hmm. What is this? I'm like, oh, high five. Like, way to go. Totally. Go. Yeah. <laughs> 
I like that one. No one else is going to give me a high five. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you a high five next time. Okay, sounds good. High five. Okay, good. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much for your time. That was so fun. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. What a joy. What a gift. What an honor. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a wrap. Let's film talk. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening. And thank you, Sophia, for the great conversation. I look forward to another one. I so often get to the end of these interviews and I'm like, I'm just getting going. Now I have a whole other two pages of questions. So um, definitely be looping back to Sophia. Please get in touch. Instagram, Tara Cheyenne TCP. Facebook, Tara Cheyenne Performance. Or the old email, info at tarashan.com. Would love to hear from you. Maybe you know someone you'd like to hear interviewed. Maybe you'd like to be interviewed. Maybe there's some topic that's like, you know what I really want to know about is, I don't know, like how to do your taxes as a dance artist. (laughs) Me too. Talking Shit with Tara Shine is a project of Tara Shine Performance, produced, edited with original music by Mark Stewart. You can get in touch with Mark at markstewartmusic.com. And before I leave you, I often end with a quotation. I did learn in undergrad that you say quotation and not quote, but it's fine to say quote. Uh, Instead of a quote slash quotation, I'm just going to leave you with this idea of your attention and where you're putting your attention. And that attention is love and attention is what your life becomes or is. And I'm saying this because I'm guilty of this too, but the head down in the phone, it's not your fault. You know, you're the product. So where are the points in your life? Where are the moments where you can create that little space where you go like, oh, hey, who can I be with? Who can I make eye contact with? Can I sit here and get bored and let that really interesting idea that started percolating last week to do a little bit more percolating? I'll leave you with that. Take good care. We'll see you next time. This podcast is effing good.